0: Say these words after me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my Redeemer. A rock is immovable. A Redeemer has to move to seek what he seeks, what she seeks, to redeem. We will not think on these words, but the words that God has given my heart to share with you, think about them on these words as if these words were the canvas for our message this morning. Interestingly, these words come from God to us through a servant, beloved David. How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It's like oil, precious oil, being poured upon the head, going down the beard, on Aaron's beard, to, to the collar of his robe. It's, it's like the dew of Hermon, Mount Hermon, falling on Mount Sion. That is where the Lord bestow, bestows his blessings and life forevermore." It's interesting. I just pause here just for a second if you'll give it to me. Do you remember the story when Jesse is approached by Samuel the prophet? And Samuel the prophet says, I'm called by God to anoint one of your sons. Get all of your sons together. Remember that story? And then Samuel goes through all of them, and then Samuel asks the most remarkable of questions. He says, None of these are to be anointed. Is this all your boys? Talk about a dysfunctional family, <laughs> how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. From a servant Paul, again, interesting that Paul would have the honor of inking and voicing these words. God has reconciled us to himself through Christ and given to us the ministry of reconciliation. For you see, God is reconciling the whole world to himself through Christ, no longer counting a person's sins against them. And he committed us to this message of reconciliation. The words of Psalm 139, the words of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, but a couple of verses. You may be seated. Well, if you're visiting with us here at Christ memorial, <laughs> so am I. Um, uh, and so, uh, but I have, I have been honored, and you've just... Yeah. I, I'm so thankful to you guys. to Give me an opportunity to share some of the teachings. Eric mentioned tonight we're at Providence. Providence Church asked us to come over and think about Genesis as well. So tonight we're going to be thinking about the two trees. Um, but for us here, we've been on a journey through Genesis, and we're going to be landing the plane, it sounds like, this week in our reading groups. And, um, and I, I, if, if you're not in a reading group, I, I just want to urge you to do that, to get a part of that, be a part of that. Because in Genesis, you see, Genesis is Jesus' Bible. That's where he got, you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's where he got his stuff, a lot of his stuff. Um, He didn't have Romans. He didn't have Corinthians. Um, So there's a lot of foundational teachings. So if you were here with us last week, I gave you what I believe is one of the most foundational teachings in terms of our perception of God. Because the devil, the evil one, is happy if you just see him as king and judge. What he doesn't want you to see him is Lord. And we concluded our time by talking about that dimension, that capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, is really grace. That's the compassionate, patient side of God. That's the grace side of God. And we concluded by sharing the idea that, that probably the most difficult time to be graceful is when you have to give it. I've been thinking about that sentence a little bit this week, and I want to sharpen it even a little bit further. I think one of the most difficult times in the Bible or one of the difficult times in our lives to forgive, one of the most demanding times of grace is forgiveness. And God, in the opening chapters of Genesis, is graceful to a fallen human race that continues and is determined to fall further. It begins with the man and the woman at the tree. God confronts them and says to the man, and he says, it was the woman. He comes to the woman and she says, it was the snake. In the man and the woman, what we see is a failure of personal responsibility. Does that stop God's loving grace? No, no. (laughs) We're committed to falling. And then the next story, of course, you know, is Cain, the farmer, Abel, the shepherd. And God knows Cain's heart, he approaches Cain, Cain, sin is crouching at the door, you can master it. Uh, Cain has no mind to master it. And God hears the cry of creation, Ah, Aaron's blood. Does that stop God's loving, forgiving grace? No. But in Cain and Abel, we see God's grace, God's love, powering through the failure of moral responsibility. The narrative goes on, and we come to a point where God is grieved. In Hebrew, it says his heart was filled with pain. I don't know if you ever thought about that, but when a person's heart's filled with pain, we call that a heart attack. Because the sins of mankind were so great. So God calls Noah, and God says to Noah, build an ark, and he builds an ark. There's an interesting discussion amongst the rabbis over the years, and the question is this, why isn't Noah one of our patriarchs? Why Abraham? Really interesting answer, you know what they say? They say, well, with with, with Noah, when God said, the earth is gonna perish, I want you to build an ark, he did, and Noah and his family were saved. When God said to Abraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, what if there are 50? What if there are 45? What if there are 40? Hmm. With Noah, God's love powers through his corporate responsibility. The failure to see more than just me and mine. The opening chapters of Genesis, these are foundational teachings about God, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, moving through our personal responsibilities when we fail at that, our moral responsibilities when we fail at those, and our corporate responsibilities when we fail at those. His grace continues even through the most difficult circumstances. But I think the most demanding thing, the time when grace, I think, is the hardest to give, is when we have to forgive. So the question I'd like to ask you this morning is, who's the first one in the Bible to forgive? Who's the first to forgive? Well, okay, I know. God. Okay, yeah, you got that one. But in human form, who is the first to forgive? Well, <clears throat> our Jewish friends have, uh, have, have discussed that quite a bit. It's, isn't that an interesting question? And that's why I love uh, um, this approach to the text. I never forget when Ray one time said to me, he says, you know, George, a, a Talmud is never measured by the answers they give but the questions they ask. And I realized I... <laughs> I was brought up in a system that taught me answers. It didn't teach me how to ask questions. Isn't that an interesting question? There are those who suggest that, that, um, that, that this, the brothers of Jacob and Esau, isn't it, isn't it interesting how much of the Bible is all family? Those of you who are in the immersed reading, you'll notice that there's genealogies. There's the genealogy from Adam to Noah, and then there's the Noah story, and then there's Noah and his sons, and then after that, there's a genealogy. God wants you to understand. He wants you to value the genealogy of Ishmael. He wants you to understand the genealogy of of Esau. It's all there. It's all there. It's all there. What you learn because genealogy is absolutely unique to the, to the to ancient Near Eastern doctrine documents. I'm not aware, I could be corrected, but I'm not aware of another document that can, contains genealogy, certainly to that extent. So So what's interesting, and I noticed on the signage this morning as as we were waiting for everything to start, and as Eric was talking about worship, I noticed that if you'd like to join the Christ Memorial, it said, if you'd like to join Christ Memorial, not church, but just church family. The Genesis is, I'm telling you, it's about family. It's about family. It's about family. And it's about story after story after story, how family doesn't get along. Jacob and Esau. Well, you know the story, Jacob and Esau. uh, Jacob receives the blessing. He's the firstborn, although with untrained eyes, you think, no, he was born second. (laughs) There's several ways to talk about first, you see. It could be first numerically if you're a linear thinker, but God's idea of first is different. But to all around, Esau especially, he was robbed of his blessing. Jacob has to flee because Esau wants to kill him. And so Jacob flees to Laban and his uncle, and he goes in increase and, 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 and God's blessing, and it comes to a time when Jacob says, i got to go back. I know my brother wants to kill me, but i got to go back. And he goes back, and he hears his brothers waiting for him. His brothers waiting for him, not with his brother's friends, but with his brother's military force. So what Esau did, and I did this last thing, this is that little slip of paper that fell to the ground here. I I wanted to give you this. So what Esau, you know what Esau does? Esau goes, uh, he gets 20 rams, 200 ewes, 200 um, female animals, goats, um, uh, 20 male goats, Okay. Then he sends 30 camels and their little ones. Today, a good camel in the Sinai costs about 3,000 three, 3, to 5,000 bucks. Camels are the most expensive thing a Bedouin can own. You measure a Bedouin's wealth in terms of how many camels they have. He sends 30 camels, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, 10 male donkeys. And when you read, why does he do that? Why does he do that? That's not an I'm sorry. In Genesis 32, verse 20, it says, I want to pacify him. You see, what's happening here is appeasement. He's trying to appease, he's trying to say, here, take this, take this, are we okay? Take this, take this, are we okay? Take this, take this. But appeasement doesn't work. It can't work. Appeasement's built upon the model of an eye for an eye. And an eye for an eye is nothing but math. Bad math. It can't work. Do you know what's wrong with an eye for an eye, math? There isn't an equal sign. You kill my son. Do I get to kill your son? But I only have one son. You have four sons. Do I kill all of your sons so you know what it's like to be without a son? Now Jacob and Esau got along, but their descendants are fighting to this day. That family is not getting along. Who's the first to forgive? Hmm, I'll tell you who it is, Joseph, Joseph. You know the story, Joseph, quote him in many colors, thrown in the pit. These good Jewish boys think, you know, we could kill him, or we can make money and kill him. So they sell him to the, Egypt, to the Ishmaelites, who sell him to the Egyptians, which is to sell him to nothing. He's gone. He's dead. And you know the story of Joseph. We, our children were talking about the dreams, and Joseph rise to this year, second only to Pharaoh, seven years of fat, seven years of... Of 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 and, and, and now Joseph in power, the famine's great through the land. It's only a couple years into the famine. And who appears as his brothers. Go home, bring your little brother. I can't do it, I can't do it. They do it. They get so desperate, they bring their little brother. Jacob the father is heartbroken. Because he's already lost his favorite. So you know, now that he's lost his favorite, now who's his favorite? Who do you think his favorite is now? Yeah, it's Benjamin. That's his favorite. They bring Benjamin. And you know the story about the cup and the sack and, and, and this manipulative kind of thing that's going on. And, and Joseph is, is he, is, he, is he poking the bear? Is he having fun with them? I, no, 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 God's doing something different here. God's testing. He's testing. And so, so they go and there's Benjamin and they open the sacks and there's the cup. Benjamin, what, you, what do you think? I never did it. I didn't touch it. I, it's not my fault. to go back. Leave him here, says the vizier, this Egyptian. And who speaks up? Hmm, Judah. And what does Judah say? Basically, in Genesis thirty or 44, Judah basically says, Take me, not him. Because Judah talks about how crushing it was to his father when his older brother and I think the brother, seeing their broken father, saw the hell that they put him through. And life wasn't worth living with the man. Nothing was sweet anymore. There was no sunshine. Everything was poison. No, no, sir, please. Take me. Let him be free. And that, my friends, is the first person in the Bible to repent. Joseph. Joseph can't contain himself anymore. Brothers, it's me, Joseph. It's me. It's okay. Get father. And the family is restored. But the brothers don't understand what forgiveness really is. They've never experienced this thing before. How do I know? Well, you see, when Jacob, the father, dies, then the brothers get together and say, you know what? Um, I think he was just merciful to us just as long as dad was alive. You know what? Let's go go to him and and, and, and say, Joseph, please forgive us. And, And they're... They're so, the Hebrew is so strong, their grief, their eyes were angry or, or their eyes were full of sorrow is a is translation. You know what Joseph says to them? Joseph says to them, don't be grieved. Don't be grieved for selling me. Uh, because it was, because it was God. Oh, no, let me read it. <laughs> don't be grieved for selling me here because it was to save the lives that God sent me ahead of you. You see, it wasn't you who sent me here. It was God. Talk to me about a person who walks with God. And what does that look like when it comes to measuring your grace at the most crucial time is when you're called to forgive? Now, I don't want to get into a whole Israeli-Palestinian thing, but I do marvel at Israel being open to peace talks with Jordan. If you've ever been by the Sion Gate, you've seen all the bullet holes I've been amazed at Israel stretching their hand forth to Egypt. It's interesting because for our Jewish friends and this country too, this country, this country is built on on, on Judeo-Christian roots, isn't it? I remember as a little boy growing up in Canada, uh, watching Walter Cronkite and I remember one night because it just meant so much to me. It just, I just kind of, wow, that's quite cool. I just, that they had this breakfast of the veterans at Pearl Harbor having a breakfast or an event with the Japanese fighter pilots and the dive bombers. And that kind of makes sense to us here in America. Do you know that? Do you know that that in the Vietnam War, there are Vietnam veterans who go back to Vietnam and rebuild the buildings that they're trying? Then that makes sense to us. Do you know how unique this country is? Do you know how unique you are? No one does that. That's forgiveness. That's grace. But now, my dear people, next week I'm not going to be here so you can cool off for a week about what I'm going to say next. My dear people, as Christians, you and I are called to a higher level of forgiveness. Our rabbi, our savior, calls us to this. Father, forgive them. Oops, sorry. Nope. For they know not what they do. Romans 5 tells us that God loves us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We are called to the highest level of forgiveness, even when they don't repent, and I'm thinking about that this week, and I'm thinking, okay, and I don't mean to belittle. but I'm saying, okay, we do it for the love of God. Okay, okay, okay. But is there more? Help me to understand why I should forgive someone who's not even repentive. How do I live a life of forgiveness? I'll lay it down. You don't have to pick it up, okay? This is an ATG, according to George. I think it all has to do with what you're attached to. That's the Joseph story. What are you attached to? See, Joseph, somewhere along the line, I don't know whether it was the hole his brothers threw him into or the hole the Egyptians threw him into. But somewhere along the line, and you really don't read God in the whole story until Joseph tells you to his brothers, well, you sent me. You thought you sent me here. You thought this was a result. No, God sent me. So there is in Joseph an understanding that his story is part of a bigger narrative. I'm attached to something bigger, I'm attached to Jesus. I think, in my opinion, as I was putting the last finishing touches to our thoughts this morning, I thought, you know, George, if you want your faith, if you want your grace to mature, and I think it needs to mature, if I want my grace to grow, I don't think there should be a day in my waking life from now on where I don't say to myself, while we were yet sinners, while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. I need to be reminded that I'm attached to Christ. I'm not attached to you. I'm not attached to you. I'm not attached to what you do. I'm not attached to what you say. I'm attached to Christ. Then I think we are on the road to be counted among those who lived in caves and torn into the world wasn't worthy of them. That's what he calls us to be. You see, God is reconciling and reconciled George to himself in Christ. And He's given to George the Ministry of Reconciliation. There You see, George didn't understand that this was part of his job description. But you see, God has been reconciling the whole world to Himself through Christ, and He's not counting their sins against them. And He's committed George, He's committed Christ's memorial to the Ministry of Reconciliation. No matter what the bad blood in the family is, whether you're David, who's left out of the big Samuel visit, or you're Paul as an apostle, late born, holding cloaks, in the eyes of our great God and King, who is sovereign over all, it is precious and beautiful in His sight when His sons and daughters, His brothers and sisters, dwell together in unity. Why? For God, It's like oil, precious oil, being poured on the head and running down the beard, even Aaron's beard, onto his collar. It is as if the dew of Mount Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. And Mount Zion, Zion in Hebrew means, one of the meanings is Mount Dry. For it's there that he bestows blessings, and life forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said,